I'm Willie. I'm an alcoholic. I drank to get drunk. I didn't like you, and I didn't like me. And that's the way I was when I got here. I wasn't sure if I wanted to be here or not. I uh, was working at Whirlpool at that time, and I was an assistant foreman. I'd go to work drunk, and I'd go home drunker. And, and that was the way I was living. And when I sobered up, I found out the foreman was in the program. And I asked him, I says, why in the hell didn't you take and try, try to get me to change my drinking habits? He says, it wasn't none of my business. And I looked at him and I says, oh, okay, I can live with that. Uh, I drank my way through my first marriage. We were married for seven years, and it took her three years to get her divorce. That's the kind of a person I was. Uh, I, I used to get arrested pretty regular. One time, uh, I got arrested for taking backed into the, our car. And I had a good half a block head start on that car in reverse, and my back bumper was welded on my truck, and I never touched a brake. I went to court, seen the judge, and I asked him what his problem was. He looked, he says, what do you mean, what's my problem? I said, who's the vehicle registered to? He says, well, you. I says, was there an insurance claim filed? He goes, well, not that I'm aware of. I says, so what's the problem? Of course, I woke everybody up in the neighborhood when I did that. That's the kind of a person I was. When I was drinking, I wound up in places. I wound up wearing matching bracelets, you know, the things they say, put your hands behind your back, and we put them on you, you know, and I was laughing, we were sitting there, he was, we were talking about old cars, and he said, yeah, there was one there with a the real small steering wheel on it, and I said, yeah, you know why that had the small steering wheel, and he goes, no, I said, that's so you could drive it when you had your handcuffs on, <laughs> you know. Uh, I, uh, my first sponsor passed away. Everybody thought his name was Asshole because that's what I'd call him when he'd tell me to do things that, that involved with recovery of this program. I didn't like following directions. I didn't like listening to directions. And I'm not, I wasn't even sure I wanted to be here. But the only thing was, I knew I didn't want to live the way I was living. You know, I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. I got that first sponsor, and he made me start writing out the, those steps and reading a big book from the cover. 
took me three weeks to get past that first page. I don't know if any of you remember what's on that first page in your big book, but I know there's nothing on that first page in my big book. It took me three weeks to figure that one out. So I got involved with the group, and they met on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Tuesdays was the 12 and 12. Thursday was the big book. And Saturday was a speaker meeting. And he told me I was to take and go to all three of those. I said, well, that ain't too much of a problem. I can do that. But then he picked out four other meetings to go with those three. <laughs> I goes, I can't go to that many. He says, I don't know why not. He says, you drank every day, didn't you? I says, well, yeah. He says, you can go to a meeting every day. And when I asked him to be my sponsor, he looked at me and he says, I don't sponsor bikers. I looked, I says, what's wrong with bikers? He says, nothing. He says, I just don't sponsor them. And I thought to myself, I'm going to check his patience and tolerance. Watch me. And that's what I did. I set out to make him be my sponsor. What I didn't know was he was a counselor down at St. John's Hospital. I finally figured that out after a couple months. You know, it's like I was told to read a daily meditation book. On the bottom of that book, it says, God, keep me clean and sober today. You know, it took me three months to figure out I was asking for God's help. I was reading that every day, but I wasn't registering with it. I'm going, damn. You know? But I start, but he got me involved in that big book, and we did the 12 steps, and I says, ah, good, we're finished. He says, do you see the words, the end, there? I goes, no. He says, good, because now, he says, you get to do them again, and we start with number one. And I'm going, but I already did them. He says, I don't care. He says, there's a lot of things that you didn't take and talk about or and share about you that you didn't tell anybody. He says, so now we're going to go through them again this time and see if you get honest with yourself. And I didn't like that word either, honest with myself. And, and he got me involved in service work, and I wasn't sure about that. That group, we used to have steak fries or barbecues once a month in the summertime. And I didn't know it, but my wife and two kids knew everybody in the meeting I was going to before I did. 
So I didn't have much of a chance after after that. You know, my kids were, they liked my kids. And then, like I say, I went through and I got involved in service work. And at the time, I was president of a bike club back there in Minnesota. And I was president of it for about 10 years. And I moved out to Arizona. And I picked me up another sponsor. And we started with that big work again from the cover. And he passed away for, from cancer. I got another one. And he passed away from cancer. And I says, you know, i got to find somebody that's going to live a little bit longer. So at that time, there was a breakfast up in Black Canyon City. We used to go up there on Sunday, Sunday mornings. And it was the last Sunday of the month. And that group up there put on a breakfast that was a killer of a breakfast. It was $5 and all you could eat. So we started riding up there, and they always had a very good speaker. And the next thing I knew, that group, one of the guys in that group, he used to be a New York rep for Alcoholics Anonymous for Arizona. And they put on the tra traditions plate. And one day this guy got sick and he couldn't be part of it, so they asked me to take and play the drunk. Are <laughs> you going to ask a drunk to play a drunk? So we went to Jerome that day, that Friday night. And I played the drunk. And I'll tell you what, if you ever get a chance to see the traditions play put on, I hope you make a point of going and seeing it, because it is definitely worth it. They do the steps, they, and the, in there, and they talk about what Alcoholics Anonymous was about. Who they talked about how people tried controlling Alcoholics Anonymous in the beginning, and. It's a great experience. But then I got involved with Taco Free Intergroup, and they were over on 43rd Avenue, way back in, in a back building. It was hard to find if you went there to get materials or anything about Alcoholics Anonymous. And I did that up till about four years ago. Yeah, it was about four years ago, and I enjoyed it because, you know, I learned more about Alcoholics Anonymous by being in the intergroup office because it gave me more of a, a change of carrying a message the right way instead of, instead of what I thought the message was supposed to be carried. 
See, I could tell you all about getting drink, getting drunk, and how in the heck they wanted to take and how, you know, so I, I found out my way didn't work when I got here, so I couldn't tell them that. I had to tell them how it was in that first 164 pages in that book. There's been a lot of people that have tried changing that first 164 pages in that book, and they have not been successful. That's one thing as far as the legacy goes. The first 164 pages of our big book is our meat and potatoes. You know, I get in there and you start you start hearing us talking about the 12 steps and they're read here in the meeting. You know, each one of those steps is a prayer if you read it and you think about it. Because you're asking for God's help to do something for you. You know, ask God to remove my character defects. I thought that was a divorce. You know, that's that's how I dealt with that one when the first time I got going around through it. Because my first wife divorced me and I got rid of a character defect. That's the way I was looking at it. But I found out I had to look at my part in it. And today, you know, I've learned, I go to meetings, I listen to other people, and I share with a lot of people, and I stay active in a program of recovery. See, what I do in the morning, I wake up and I look and I say, okay, God, what are we going to do today? So I'm already starting my day with my higher power. And then I ask him to take care of my one daughter. Last time I seen her, she was four years old. I have talked to her twice in her lifetime since then. And she's 50 years old. I went to Minnesota for a month, just recently, and I called the number I had for her and I told her I was in town and that I would like to meet up for coffee or lunch or whatever with her, and she never called back. And I was at a meeting and somebody says, don't you feel bad about that? I said, no. I says, because if I don't put expectations on things, I don't get disappointed. That's the biggest problem I have is when I set up and project the way something's going to be done and project the outcome of it, I got in the driver's seat. I shoved God out of the way. So I have to stop and go back and start over and think, okay, God, what's going on here? You know, so I, my, my sponsor taught me how to deal with her was just ask him to take care of her because you didn't know where she was. And that's how I have to do it today because I could lose, lose my... I could go insane so quick it ain't funny. 
you know. A lot of times I gotta watch myself because the old school biker comes back to the front again. You know. I still resort to a lot of my old habits when I was a biker. When I was back there and I was Stayed with my, my one daughter, and I showed a couple of them a picture of her, her, her son, which is my grandson, as Edgar's up to there. And that's the first time I've seen him was this year. Because, see, I had distanced myself from family back in 92 when my dad passed away because I did not like the situation that I got into by going back there for the funeral because my mom had passed away. My dad was the last one to go. My one sister took and went and took whatever she wanted out of the house before they were even in the ground. Another one went to the house, took what the hell they wanted. And I don't know how my brother did it, but he got the license for the salvage yard, put in his name. But I didn't really care about that because when I walked out the door after that, I looked at them all and I says, you know what, if you die, don't call me. I'm not coming back here again. And that was in 92. Last month was the first time I'd been back there. Do I regret it? Not really because my brother's been paying the taxes on the property because he's using it for storage for the business that my parents had started. And I didn't care about the business that much. So now there's three of us that are still alive on the property, but we can't sell the property because he's got it piled up with junk cars. But he promised me he's going to get at it, so come next spring, he's going to clean it off so we can sell it. You know, so uh, some good things accomplished there, some, a lot of negatives, but, you know, I look at it this way. I don't get upset if things don't always go my way today. I left there on a... Tuesday morning. Well, you hit the airport, you got to shut your goddamn phone off or they get mad at you. And the suckers didn't like me anyway when I come in there because I got there good and early and I shoved a suitcase down through that went in the belly of the plane and that had car parts in it. And I guess they went through those so they figured they'd shake me down real good when I come through because they did their darndest, I'll tell you that. And when the plane got out in here in Phoenix, and I got off, my buddy was going to pick me up. And I turned my phone on to call him, let him know the plane had landed. I didn't have no signal. So the next thing is, he called me, and said, I'm sitting out in front of door number so-and-so. I said, okay, I'll be right out. I just got my last suitcase. So I went out there and got in the car, 
and he's pulling out, and I bring my phone up, and I look at the message. 5.30, my girlfriend had passed away from a heart attack that morning. I get home, and I'm sitting there. Wednesday, my daughter in the morning, she had a seizure. She never had a seizure before. Shook the hell out of her husband. Her eyes rolled back and everything else. They got her to the hospital in time and she's okay. Now, they don't know what the heck caused the seizure or anything else, but I think it was, she's a dia diabetic. And so that was that. Then, on Thursday, tank of propane runs out on my trailer, and I'm carrying it around to the front of my trailer, and it's dark out, and I got a month's worth of weeds out there, and I trip, and I drop that full propane tank on my left foot. <laughs> so, you know, I look at it this way. I didn't have to get drunk over it. I went to ER. They says, well, you didn't break it, but you got a lot of fractured bones in there. And I'm thinking to myself, what's the difference? <laughs> so as long as they weren't worried about it being broken, and they put, gave me a boot. And Tom see me, I was walking around with one of them boots on my foot on Saturday night when we were having our dinner. And I looked at him, and I'm having fun with that boot on. And I goes over to my buddy's house, and about 3 o'clock in the morning, my foot is throbbing, and it's giving me all kinds of pain. And I uncuffed that boot, and I took it off, and I threw it in the corner of the bedroom. And that's where it stayed. <laughs> I took my tennis shoe and I unlaced it halfway down, pulled it on. I, I could walk around pretty good on my foot. I limped a little bit, but it was better than walking around in that boot. But then I started taking and putting some ointment on that foot every morning and every night. And pretty soon, like I said, the swelling went down. It's down 90% of that swelling is gone. And it still causes problems, you know. But I don't, 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 I just make sure I don't, you know, you're walking along and you want to turn and go one way. I just make sure I don't turn and go that way. <laughs> you know. And, and, and that's what this program teaches us, you know. If we learn how to take and get by without getting drunk again. We know there ain't nothing in our lives that goes on that I got to get drunk over. In May, I had a, May 5th, I had to put my dog down. Now I'm 81 years old. I have never had anybody in my life put my dog down. But I could not put him down. I had to take and bring him all the way into Phoenix let us that put him to sleep and bring him all the way back out there 
and put them out in the desert where he, where he loved it. Now, that hurt. That, that's the first time that I had a, had a dog put down and we had such a good bond. Most, a lot of the people in here knew that dog. He'd come in and he'd lay down by my chair and he'd stay right there for the whole meeting. He wouldn't leave me. He was that way from day one when I got him. He never, he never left my side. He was 11 years old. He got bit by a rattler two years ago. A year ago, he got gored by a javelina. He was protecting his property. You know, he was just doing his job. It was like losing my best friend. But I didn't have to go drink over it. I had people I could talk to, and they knew the feelings I was feeling and what I was going through. You know, that's what the Alcoholics Anonymous gives us. They give us somebody that not only helps us get sober and stay sober, but they help us in the times of our need, emotional need, our mental need. Our mental need. You know, it's like when my dog got gored by that javelina, I looked at one guy and I says, you know, I says, there's a hunk of lead that would look real good right between your eyes. This one lady looked at me out there and she says, Willie, you can't do that. I says, why not? She says, you can't threaten to kill somebody. I says, that wasn't a threat. She says, you've got to figure out another way of doing it. I said, okay, I've got it figured out. I says, next time, I says, that kind of a situation arises, I'm going to look at them and say, I hear you're into jewelry. I know a piece of lead that would look real good between your eyes. <laughs> See, alcoholic thinking. You know, I can't do that. Okay, I'll change my view. I have to change it a little bit. I know how to get my point across. You know. But, you know, it took, at that time, my dog got gored by that javelina. It took me two weeks on my phone to finally get a hold of somebody from the state to come out there and tell them people they weren't supposed to be feeding those javelina and the coyotes. That they could go to jail for it. They could get fined for it. You know? So, you know, that, that, the life, my life just goes bananas at times. It's like when I went in and got that boot put on, the ER doctor says, you've got to make an appointment with your doctor. Your blood pressure is way down. I'm going, yeah, what the hell are you talking about? My doctor knows what they're prescribing for me, right? Our doctors usually know what we need. Well, the last two days, I haven't done 
anything. And one guy, before I came in tonight, I looked and I says, I haven't been avoiding you or anything else, but I says, when I went in to the ER, they told me I had to make an appointment with my doctor because my blood pressure is low. And you know, I've been stumbling around off and on, not knowing what the cause is. And when he told me my blood pressure is down low, okay, that makes sense to me. Now I got to do something about it. But I don't know about you, but if I get put on those doggone machines on a phone call trying to get something done, and I lose my patience pretty pretty fast. And then when I finally get somebody there, I says, you know what? I says, I want your extension number, so next time I call, I can get a hold of you. I says, I don't like that stupid machine. I says, I know where I'd like to tell you to put it. So now I've got to take and get that, that's it, that kind of stuff taken care of now, something else to work on in my life to keep working towards, you know, and figuring out what my next step is going to be, when. And my life just turns to chaos because I'd made plans for this weekend and it's going to rain, so I can't do what I had planned for this weekend. Because I'd made plans to sell a bunch of my records I got. And the people that, when I called them and asked them if they bought them, and they said, yeah, we got to check them out and tell you what we're going to pay for them. I says, they're in excellent shape, and they're old ones. I says, and they're 60s, 70s, I says, 80s, 90s, and stuff. And they said, well, you got to bring them in. I saw there's between 1,000 and 1,500 of them. We'll take them, but we'll, we'll evaluate them, and then we'll give, give you an idea what, we're, what they're worth to us. I says, well, i got to get rid of them. I know that, so I'll probably take care of that on Saturday. Well, guess what? I was listening to the weather report. It says they're supposed to get rain showers in Phoenix Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> so that project's done. <laughs> you know, and I, I'm not put out about it because I look at it this way. They've been in storage this long. A few more days ain't going to hurt. You know, it's like, Tom looked at my truck tonight I pulled in with, the other one sitting out at home because I'm not sure what's wrong with it. I may have blown a torque converter in it or something, but it ain't, it ain't drivable right now. I got this one running, so I got transportation yet. And that's, that's the way my life goes. Like I have people in my life that are in the program yet, I stay in contact with. I have sponsees that still call me. I've got one that keeps calling me, but he keeps doing stupid shit. 
And I look at him and I says, well, when are you going to grow up? He says, what do you mean, when am I going to grow up? I says, well, you know, I says, you keep calling me when you take and get in trouble. I said, why don't you call me when things are going good? And I got another one I sponsor. He's got 35 years in the program. And one day he, he, he got married for his third time. And he comes up to me one day and he says, Willie, he says, I'm, I looked at him and I says, whoa, stop right there. He says, what do you mean? I says, I don't want no answer to this question, but I says, I got, the only thing I want to say to you is, from the day that you got married to this day, what's changed with you? I says, what's changed your attitude? I don't care what you think about her attitude. I said, I'm talking about you. I said, now you go home and think about it. Calls me back. He says, I hate you. <laughs> I said, yeah. I says, you know, that's life. That's life. We do things, and then we say, why did we do it? Well, what's changed with us between then and now? You know, I got, I had a fire, what, three years ago? Was that about three years ago I had that fire? Did everything, I lost everything? Lost about eight pistols. So now I got me just one, I got me a nine millimeter, and I got three magazines for it. One magazine, I have snake shot in it, which I used last Friday. I've got a rattler that, that sucker come real close to me when he went by, and I eased away and went around and got my nine, brought it back, come back out, come back around, and that was the end of him. And then I got another clip that's loaded with regular rounds. And then I have 11 round clip that has Talon hollow points in it. And they're all laying right there. So if whichever clip I feel I need, I just got to shove it in. You know, I don't have to second guess what I need to do. You know, part of, a lot of the things I learned in this program is you make some good friends in this program. Like I told you, I got some sponsors that have got a lot of time in this program. But see, we didn't put, the, put our time in this program together just in these meetings here. There is things to do in Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, we're just going into the holidays, ain't we? Good drinking times, yeah. You know, Thanksgiving, oh man, that was party time. Christmas was party time. Oh, and we got New Year's coming. 
But you know what? The programs of Alcoholics Anonymous have taken care of us. They're not sure where the Thanksgiving dinner is going to be yet. There's trouble at crossroads with getting the, their facility. They've got new owners. So that one's still up in the air where it's going to be. Christmas will be at the hotel on Camelback and about 99th Avenue by the freeway there. New Year's, I'm not sure where that one's going to be at yet. They're still working on that, getting their committees put together for that. So right there is three different things. I think down there there's a couple roundups. There's one coming up in Lake Havasu City. Where's the other one at? can't remember. But, I mean, we have those things that go on. Like in the summertime now, that the COVID's over, uh, at uh, Lake Pleasant, they have uh, West Valley Roundup. That's a whole weekend up there, four days of camping, fishing, whatever you want to do there. And after that, it's part of the Lake Fishing Derby, where... They see who can catch the biggest fish or whatever. You know. um, in January, in Laughlin, they have what they call the area roundup at um, the riverside. In May, they have what they call a tri-state area roundup, which is Arizona, California, and Arizona. Man, that is a whopping big roundup, and they're a lot of fun. You hear good speakers when you go to those roundups like that. And, you know, see, and that helps us keep our sobriety. That gives us something to do to be active with each other and participate with each other, you know. Now... Christmas will be coming up after Thanksgiving. There's going to be a lot of toy runs that's going to be done. Putton's Over in Phoenix puts on a big toy run for the kids at the one school. They put it on for years. Uh, so, but what you got to do is you got to listen when you're in the meetings at the announcements and what's available. And what's, to, what's going to help us, you know, with our sobriety? See, getting sobriety takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of effort. But how do you learn how to enjoy it? You know, that's the hard part. How do I enjoy my sobriety? You know, you look at everybody else in here. We all have different ways of learning how to enjoy our sobriety with each other. You know, like Tom and I, we ran in, run into each other all around. We don't know where we're going to see each other. You know, it's like Charlie, like he says, you've known him for years. When he, I know him when he first come in. His first sponsor and I were very good friends. You know, and that's, that's, that's a good thing. One other thing I wanted to share while I was doing this today is
this is what I like right here. This helps helps me take and get through through some of my problems here. You know, when when I'm not getting things done right and things ain't going my way. This is what I read. That's in our big book. No, that third step prayer helps us. I don't care how long somebody's been in this program. That third step prayer is the one that gets us out of self. And when when we get so deep into self at times, we don't even know, oh God, I'm going bananas. How do I get rid of this? How do I go out of it? You know? Alcoholics Anonymous has things to help us, like that little third step prayer there on that card. You know, hey, it ain't going my way. How do I get rid of this stuff? See, and then we have these pamphlets. Like here's AA's Legacy by Bill W. That's the original person of our program. He's the one that got it started. Here's another one that says the AA group. This tells us what the AA groups are supposed to be doing as far as carrying the message. You know? And then they have this little pamphlet here, the 12 Steps Illustrated, which is just like 12 little prayers here. You know? Like, you know... admitted we were powerless over alcohol and our lives had become unmanageable. I didn't think my life was unmanageable when I was drinking. You know? But now, I can realize the ways my life was unmanageable. And then, we get to another, another pamphlet here. It's called The Twelve Traditions and it's illustrated. With everything in here, you know, it helps us get a better understanding of the 12 traditions. That is worded a lot different than what we're used to reading out of our book. Gives us a, and it says the same thing as we have in our big book, but it's worded a little bit different, so something in there catches our eyes and gets us thinking. Like, oh, yeah, that's what they meant. And then I was talking to somebody else tonight, a little before the pot left. And this is one you won't get into for a while, but there's a lot of people in here that already have been familiar with. It's called the 12 Concepts for World Service. It's a wonderful little pamphlet. You know, all these little pamphlets I've been trying to explain to you are available at our intergroup office. You know, and they're only 35 cents a piece. You know, and I recommend when you go to the intergroup office, you check, you start looking around. Don't look just for a big book or the 12 and 12 or their chips. But look around for these little pamphlets. They give you something to read to help change 
what you've been hearing, you know. Being new in the program, if somebody says something you quite don't understand, you can question them and say, hey, what do you mean by that? See, that shows you want what they have when you say, hey, what do you mean? When I got here, I didn't know you could do that. My sponsor told me, he says, I don't know what and how you think. If something's there and you're not sure about it, you've got to ask a question or we can't help you. If you don't ask questions, we can't help you. You know, and, and that's how this program works. If something's going on in my life and I'm going squirrely, I'm going bananas, I've got the people's phone numbers around here at home. It's taped up on my wall right there where I can look and see them. I have my home group's numbers right there on my wall, taped up there, so I can look up there and see them, so I can call somebody. You know, people are only a phone call away. You know, and that's what it's all about because if if we don't help each other, we ain't got AA. And without AA, we ain't got a life. You know, God's been good to me. He's been great. You know, my higher power has taken care of me for over 45 years. Okay? It sounds like a lot of time. But this program is only one day at a time. That's all God gives me today is today. If he lets me wake up in the morning, I'll have another day that I can't project. i got to take advantage of what's here and now. That, I hated that when I first came in. you got to stay in the here and now. So, anyway, I want to thank you for being here tonight, and I hope I've helped you all a little bit. I see Tom stayed awake.